morning, church. You guys may be seated. Yes, today is the greatest celebration I think anyone could ever celebrate. The fact that Jesus is risen, the fact that he is no longer in the tomb, the fact that we all have hope, the fact that none of you are applauding because this is good news. I think we should celebrate. That's what we're here. It's a joyous occasion. We are here because of him. Let me, uh, let me before I get started, if you will, please, there's still people coming in. I see some empty seats. Would you guys please just move in? I know everybody likes being in the corner, but just let's sacrifice a little bit and move. So if you see a seat that's empty next to you, that means you just slide on over. Either way. Thank you, guys. Everybody just slide on over. There's a seat next to you so we can make people come on in. It's easier for them to, to walk in between you than to having to just sit down. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I know you all have your seat, and this is your designated area, but thank you for your sacrifice today, and welcome. Before I get started, I want to just give us a preview of what's to come next Sunday. For the whole month of April, we're going to be doing topical messages. We will continue a new series in May, but next Sunday, we're going to talk about anxiety. I think we're living in a world, a society that is very anxious. A society of anxiety. And we're going to see through God's word next week how we can go above our anxiety. You don't want to miss it. But today I want to start by asking you a question. I want you to really consider this. What's holding you back from moving forward? Is there anything that is holding you down now that you just can't move forward because of that? Is there a sin, a sin that's continual? Is there maybe depression? Maybe you have guilt, anger, forgiveness. Maybe you feel you have lost your purpose. And because of all this, you feel that you have let your family down. You let your friends down. You might even feel you've let your church down. And possibly... Because of all this, you truly feel that you have let God down. Let me just say this. There's purpose. There's always a purpose. There's always hope. And there's always restoration in Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see today is some situations in a man's life. A very zealous man. A very faithful man. This man was the Apostle Peter, and I think most of us have heard of him and what he did. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. Peter was one of the few apostles that got to witness the transfiguration. Peter was the first apostle to declare Jesus as the Son of Man. You've heard the story, I think. Jesus tells his apostles to go out two by two, and they go out. And then they come back and Jesus asked them, who does the world say that I am? And they start responding to him. Well, some people think you're a great teacher. Some think you're a great prophet. As a matter of fact, I heard someone say that you are Elijah. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the son of man, Savior, the Messiah. Peter, a leader of the apostles. Peter, the pillar of our faith, Christianity, but yet Peter, as we're about to see, still felt guilt, depression, restoration. He needed it. We 
we're about to see that. So if you have Bibles, would you please open them up to the Gospel according to John. We're going to look at chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. But as always, context, right? So important. Previous to this chapter, chapter 20, we read this. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. And now he appears to his apostles in the upper room. But Thomas isn't there. And so Jesus leaves, and Thomas comes back, and the apostles tell Thomas, Thomas, dude, Jesus was here. We saw him. He went through the wall. We're freaking out. And Thomas says, no way. I will never believe unless, unless I touch his wounds. We read that eight days later, Jesus reappears again to the apostles. But this time, Thomas is there. And Jesus says, Go ahead, believe, touch my scars. And, and Thomas does, and he responds by saying, my Lord and my God. So here's where we're going to pick up today's verses. Verse 1, chapter 21 of the Gospel of John. After this, after what just happened, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. This sea is better known as the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. This is whom he revealed himself to. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, who was no longer doubting for sure. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Seven disciples were there. Now remember, these disciples had gone through some really weird events. They had witnessed Jesus in the triumphal entry. We talked about that last week. They had seen with their own eyes how Judas had betrayed them. They had heard how their leader of the apostles, Peter, had denied Jesus three times. They saw their Savior die on the cross. They had seen him resurrect. But yet they were still confused. They were still wondering what was going on. They were exhausted. To say the least. Verse 3. Then Simon Peter said to them, you know what guys, I'm going to go fishing. And the rest of the apostles said, you know, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. So again, Peter, being exhausted, probably feeling guilty of what just occurred in his life. Tired. Feeling that he no longer had a purpose said, I'm going to go fishing. Because there at least I can have purpose. There at least I can have meaning. I believe Peter at this moment thought that Jesus didn't love him the way he used to love him before. I believe Peter at this moment felt that Jesus was no longer going to use him as before. Because... I know that right now Peter felt that he had let his family down, his friends down. And more importantly, he felt in his heart he had let Jesus down. Verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. They didn't recognize him. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. Could you picture this? Peter's saying, no, I can't even do that right. 
And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved. This is John. This is the way he always refers to himself. Therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. They didn't recognize him at first. They just heard a voice of a man saying, did you catch anything? But then John gets a revelation and turns to Peter and says, Peter, it's him. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. And then typical Peter, as we're about to see, gets off the boat and swims towards Jesus. Peter, the man of action. Peter, bien antrabancado, always wants to move. We read about all his activities, the way he just wants to go. In the garden, when Jesus gets arrested, Peter's the one that takes out a knife and cuts off one of the Roman soldiers' ears. Peter, when Mary tells him, hey, the tomb is empty, Peter and John run to the tomb. And Peter's the first one to jump into the empty tomb. Peter, a man of action. So what does Peter do when he recognizes that it is the Lord? Verse 7, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. And he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards. But Peter wanted to get there first. He was so anxious. There was another incident where Peter too got off the boat. And headed towards Jesus. We read in the gospel that there is a storm and the apostles get caught in that storm and they're in a boat. And there's waves crashing everywhere. The storm is all around them. And they get really, really scared. They don't know what they're going to do. As a matter of fact, we read that during the storm they look out. And they see a man walking on water. And first they declare, it is a ghost. And again, they're freaking out. But then one of them recognizes that it is Jesus. And Peter a man of action says this, Jesus, if it is you, command me to go towards you. And we've heard the story, I believe, right? Jesus gets out of the boat and begins to walk on water. The storm all around him, the waves crashing at his feet. And as long as Peter's focused on Jesus, Peter continues to walk on water. But the moment, the moment Peter takes his eyes from Jesus. What happens? He sinks into the water. Jesus, we read, grabs him, puts him into the boat. And Jesus tells Peter, oh ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Could you imagine the way Peter felt at that moment, cold, soaking wet? The other apostles had just witnessed what just happened. Jesus had just told him, Ye of little faith. Could you imagine how he felt? Sad. Disappointed in himself. Guilty. Back to our story. The Gospel of John, verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. 153 fish. 
I'm going to give you a theological interpretation of what this number signifies. If you have your Bibles with you, take note. 153 fish. What does that mean? It meant that they were 153 fish. That's it. There were a lot of fish. There were so many fish, but the net didn't tear. So Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. So when I'm reading my Bible, I like to picture in my head what's going on. So I picture the apostles, seven of them, come down. They sit on the sand, on the beach, around the campfire, and Jesus is preparing breakfast. And in my mind, I picture that Peter sits across Jesus. And Jesus probably looks up at Peter and smiles a little bit. And Jesus is probably thinking to himself as he's looking at Peter, Peter, does this look familiar to you? The campfire, we're sitting around it, does it? See, we also read in the gospel that Peter, not too, just a little weeks before, a couple of weeks before, also sat around a campfire. We read that Jesus is arrested, he's taken, and Peter follows him. But he doesn't go in with Jesus. He sits out outside the courts, sitting at a campfire. And one lady recognizes him and says, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? And Peter says, no, 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 you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. I am not a follower of Jesus Christ. Three times around a campfire, Peter denies Jesus. But Jesus had told Peter he would deny him. We read about this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 34. Look what it says. Jesus said to Peter, he says, truly I tell you this very night, tonight, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter tells Jesus, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. In front of the apostles, in the upper room, Peter publicly declares his loyalty to Jesus Christ. I will not deny you. That same evening, around a campfire, Peter publicly denies Jesus Christ. Talk about feeling guilty. Talk about feeling sad and disappointment. Talk about feeling purposeless. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus, looking at Peter in the eyes, says, Peter, do you love me more than these other apostles? Because not so long ago, you declared in front of these same apostles your loyalty to me. You said you'd love me more than these. So Peter... In front of these same apostles, I'm asking you, do you? Do you truly love me more than these? He says this, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? 
And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Around a campfire, Peter denies Jesus three times. Around another campfire, Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. Now in the Greek language, there are several ways to describe or pronounce love. The ways that are used here are two forms of love. Agape. Now agape love is the highest kind of love. It is real affection. It's real appreciation. It's real concern. And the other type of love used here is phileo. Phileo is a brotherly love, an association love. And three times Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you agape me? And three times Peter responds to Jesus, I phileo you. This is how the conversation would go. Jesus would ask Peter three times, Peter, do you love me with the highest love? And Peter will respond, Jesus, you know I love you like a brother. Three times this goes on back and forth. But on the third time, Peter answers a little differently. Watch what he says. Again, verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He was saddened. He was, felt guilty. He was probably disappointed because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, and here's the difference, you know everything. You know it all. You are sovereign God. You know everything and you know, you know that I love you. What Peter was saying, you know, you know that I want to demonstrate my love towards you with the highest kind of love, agape love. But you know that I failed you and no matter how much I tried, I cannot love you the way that you love me. I try, but I have failed and I have failed and I have failed. And so Peter was saddened, he was guilty, he was disappointed. But I know that Jesus knew that Peter's faults were not from the heart, they were from the head. Jesus knew Peter's heart. And that's why Peter responds, you know my heart. You know me more than I know myself. Three times in front of a campfire, Peter denies publicly Jesus. Three times in front of a campfire. Now Jesus restores Peter publicly at this moment. But notice also that three times Jesus tells Peter to care for his flock. He says, Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, take care of my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. What is Jesus saying? He says, hey, Peter, I'm not done with you yet. You still have purpose. I chose you and there's a reason for it. I still need you with all your faults, with all your guilt. So because I have chosen you, take care of my flock. When it comes to Peter's ministry and taking care of Jesus' flock, I can relate to my life, how I have let Jesus down the way. But he knows my heart. Church, I know 
I'm going to fail you as an overseer of his flock. But know this. It's not my heart that intends to fail. And I know that Jesus knows just like he knew Peter's heart was at the right place. He knows my heart is at the right place as well. Jesus is now going to tell Peter how he's going to die. Verse 18, he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will straight up, stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. Verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, you're free now. You've been free all your life, really. But there's going to be a day where you're no longer going to be free. You're going to be tied up and you're going to go to where you don't want to go. There's going to be a day where you're going to stretch out your hands and die. About 32 years after this incident, Peter was crucified. And it, was, it is believed that he was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the way his Messiah was crucified. He felt he wasn't worthy. And I know this. Peter probably had another chance to deny Jesus Christ. I imagine that as he was tied up, seeing the cross before him, he could have easily said, you know what, guys, never mind. It was all a hoax. He didn't resurrect. I changed my mind. I declined my faith, but he didn't. Peter never again denied Jesus Christ. See, Peter publicly glorified Jesus in his life. And Peter publicly glorified Jesus in his death. Why? Because Peter had been restored. And that's why Jesus says in verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, watch what he says, follow me. Peter, follow me. I've restored you. Now you're going to die soon. But follow me. Continue to pursue me. You have purpose. Three years. Three years before this took place. We read of a very, very similar situation. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. This is Jesus. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He told them right then and there, follow me with all your faults, with all your sins, with all your disappointments, with all your guilt. As a matter of fact, we also read that when Peter encounters Jesus for the very first time, Peter says, depart from me, I am a sinful man. But Jesus says, I know, follow me. Follow me because I'm going to work through you, I'm going to work in you, I have purpose for you, so follow me. Church, this has got to be a reminder to all of us. 
if we have been restored, if we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are called to follow him. See, this is the truth. God doesn't love you because he can use you. He uses you because he loves you just the way you are. And Peter understood that. And so Peter followed him all the way to his death. So let me ask you. Let me ask you again. What's holding you back from moving forward? Is there anything in your life right now that is holding you back from moving forward? forward, something you just can't let go. And because of this, you feel that you have let God down. You've let him down in your marriage. You've let him down in relationships with your job, the way you live. <laughs> you let him down in your ministry. And so you feel this sadness upon you, this guilt, this disappointment. Church, remember, we all need hope. We all need purpose. And we all definitely need restoration. That's why we're here. That's what we're celebrating today. The fact that there is restoration in the resurrection. That's what it all signifies. That there is restoration in the resurrection. Peter. Peter had failed God like we have. We've all, all are like Peter. We failed God in our marriages, in our jobs, in our lives, everywhere. We're all like Peter. Because the sad truth is this. Is that we're all sinful. Romans 3.23. For all, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has failed. Every single one of us has sinned. We all need hope. We all need purpose. Again, we all need restoration. But Paul doesn't stop there. Watch what he says in verse 24. Again, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. We are made right before God. How? By His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus only. Church, hope, purpose, restoration comes through the redemption of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That's what we celebrate today and I love I love how clear God's word is when it comes to our salvation Ephesians 2 8 listen to this this is so important for by grace what is grace it's unmerited undeserved love for by grace you have been saved through faith 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 in who in Jesus Christ, faith in his sacrifice, that he stepped out of heaven, lived a perfect life, and he hung on the cross, and he rose again on the third day. When we believe in our hearts, when we trust in him, we are saved. That's the faith we need to have. Not with our head, but with our heart. And watch what he says. And this is not your own doing. You can't do anything to merit your salvation. You can't ever be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't be religious enough. You cannot earn your salvation. Why? Because it is the gift. How much do you pay for a gift? Nothing. It's given to you freely. But the one who purchases the gift pays something. Church, 
God purchased the gift of salvation by sacrificing his son. And anyone, again, who puts their trust in that receives it freely because of his grace, God's grace. But then he says it again, verse 9, not a result of works. Stop trying to work for your salvation. Stop it so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are not saved by our good works. We're saved for good works. God saved you for a purpose to glorify him which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, at that moment you are justified, declared right. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. At that moment, you are a child of God. Do we continue to sin? Yes, unfortunately. But now we have conviction from the Holy Spirit. Now we have the power not to sin. Now we repent of our sins and we turn the other way. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ and God looks down on you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees his son. The sacrifice of his son in whom you have trusted. That's what we're celebrating today. That Christ restored us, a sinful mankind, to the Father, a holy God. And that restoration was made known publicly. When you believe in him, you are forgiven. When you believe in him, you have hope. Hope that is eternal. You have purpose. You are restored. Why? Because there is restoration to all who believe in the resurrection. Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you so much for your truth. And Father, I pray that if anyone sitting here has not truly understand the good news of salvation... That only comes through your son, Jesus Christ. That you open up their hearts so they can truly understand with their hearts what it means to be saved. Not, not by works, never by works, but by your grace through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those of us that have trusted in your son and the sacrifice that paid for our debt, our sin debt. I pray that we continue to pursue you. As you have called us to follow you. I pray that we always feel we have purpose. And that purpose is to glorify you. With our words. With our deeds. Father, we love you. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Happy Resurrection Day. Love you guys.